You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, if you're there, Romans 10. We're continuing in our series uh, this morning in our series called Salt and Light. If you just want to say it in your living room right there, you can say Salt and Light, and that's where we're going to be all summer, a topical series. Usually we're going through books of the Bible. We'll continue in Genesis in the fall. But this is a series that is about sharing the gospel with our lives. Uh, Jesus says, after he gives um, the, the Beatitudes, um, his, his kind of commencement speech for the kingdom of heaven, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are the meek, he closes that up um, by speaking to his audience and saying, now that message, um, that message is going to make its way through the nations through you. And, uh, and so, you know, there's, there's pastors and preachers, and, and Jesus obviously is, is preaching himself, but he's saying that the message of the kingdom of heaven is not brought through just words, but ways and works of people. In fact, uh, in places of culture, as I'm sure you, you've seen, whether it be on Facebook or in your, in your personal life, where there's, where there's obstinance, where there's rejection, where there's resistance in the kingdom of heaven, um, he's kind of saying there in Matthew chapter 5, that, that somehow where messages and words can't reach, that, that lives will reach, that lives will extend, that stories and, 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 and meals and coffees and, and reputations and, and testimonies, like this is going to be the power and the vehicle of the advancement of the kingdom of heaven is your life, your past, your future, you know, your weaknesses, your, your family life, your marriage. Like he is telling a story through you, Ephesians 2 calls it a poema, like that's what your life is like, and you were created in some part to do good works, that people would see your life and go, that's not just them, that's, that's God on display, that's the kingdom of heaven, and what a privilege that is, what an incredible, uh, remarkable thing that is that Jesus does in our lives. And so uh, we, we've just been, um, we're, we're just kind of committed to doing kind of uh, three weeks for each wor- um each word, and so, you know, a life is made up of words and ways and works, and so this is kind of um, our final time to just talk about the gospel as words. Words are important, you know, like words, words have power. There, there's, there's words that we can remember from the utterances of just our friends, our family, our teachers and things that we, we carry with us because words create worlds. Uh, just, just like this building is built up with numbers, you know, and infrastructure and, you know, hopefully level measurements that create the structure of this building, we want to get them right. Like, how much more do we need words um, that are true, that are right, that are built on the gospel of Jesus Christ to build up our life? And so that, that's kind of what this whole um, part of, you know, the, the series is about, is, is, like, is like, are our words that create, that create worlds, are they form, formulated in the gospel or something else? Are they formulated in, in the good news of Jesus or, or something else? Um, I, uh, I grew up, um, I, I always say from zero to 10, I was in Albany, New York. Um, and I remember it snowed a lot and there was a lot of ice. And, and that's kind of the biggest memory that I have of New York. And, and I remember when I was about 10, I moved uh, to Indiana. And, and when I was in middle school, I was kind of finding my way, you know, like going from the you know, northeast to the Midwest and finding my way around, you know, what South Bend, Indiana was all about. And, um, and, and, and I had this, this friend, this really good buddy of mine, uh, named Tom, and um, and so so Tom and me were buddies, and we hung out all the time, and uh, all we would do is like play PlayStation One, which is like you know that shows how old I am, like and, and played you know Nintendo sixty four and GoldenEye, and we'd always do like sleepovers. I guess in the South we call them spend the night parties. I'm trying to learn my Southern vernacular as well, 
And so, um, and one of the things, one of the things about staying over at Tom's house is that if you stayed over on a Saturday night, you would have to go to church with him in the morning. And when they went to church, I mean, they went to church, man. Like, they didn't just go for, like, a little bit of time. They went to, like, a two-hour service. And I grew up Catholic. Like, when I think of church, uh, I'm thinking of, like, oak pews. I'm thinking of, like, a choir boy somewhere. I'm thinking about a very quiet environment. And let me tell you what. This was a full-blown, like, Pentecostal church that I, that I went to this one time, this Sunday morning. And the preacher was about six and a half feet tall. And he had this big, booming Moses voice. And I remember there was, like, these national flags kind of, like, all up in the rafters. And they, went, they, they were not quiet, they were loud, and they were not short in their, in their mass, in their service. Uh, they were long. And um, I remember, um, you know, once the, once the service was kind of coming to close, they were like, you want to get down there. You want to go get down there. And, uh, and I remember kind of waiting in line with a bunch of people with a lot of uh, energy uh, and, and loudness, which I was not so much partaking in, uh, just trying to soak it in. And, uh, and I remember w- w- when we went out to Denny's, um, it kind of all began to dawn on me how much this family, like, loved Jesus. And uh, I had known them for a couple years. I'd lived in South Bend for a while, known them for about three years. Um, and, and I'd stayed at their house and eaten dinner with them and, and hung out with, with Tom, you know, played video games and that sort of thing. But I, I just kind of didn't know, like, that they had such a faith, you know? This was before I was a believer. Many of you guys know, like, I, I just grew up, like, you know, just pretty obstinate myself, you know, in, in believing in the kingdom of God. And so... It sort of like confused me, uh, to be honest. Like, as I started to think about it, like, um, one of their sons, you know, was actually a missionary. And I like, I didn't kind of put that together. Like, I knew he was overseas, but I didn't know he was a missionary. And like, and, um, and, and then I kind of like, it sort of dawned on me, like other things, like around the house, for example, like, I think it was Daniel, the, the, their son, like, was engaged for the time. And they were um, like long distance dating. And he had this jar, I remember, like in his room. And I kind of snuck in there one time. And I realized like this jar had these little like verses that his fiance gave him like one at a time to like read the verses of the Bible. And I was like, oh, this is so weird. Like I never really knew anybody that like wanted to go to church in the first place. And then I didn't really know that this family that I'd grown to know and love for this long, like, you know, love, love the Lord. And uh, this was before, before I was a believer. And, and it kind of like dawned on me in this kind of weird way. Like I, I felt a little bit like awkward about it because like to use the language of, of, of our series today, like I saw their works and I saw their ways but, like, there were no words that, like, communicated their faith. And that was so weird to me because it felt like I had known them at this level, like, at this depth in their heart, like, relationally, and I'd connect with them and, and, and spent holidays and so forth. But, like, I didn't know this deep part of their heart that for some reason they, like, never shared with me. And it was so weird, you know, and, and it's sort of awkward in a way that I, that I didn't know this, and it was almost like I had to go to church with them to sort of, hear the words at the church versus hearing the words like at the table or like just in life. And, um, and it, it, it's kind of interesting. Like it, it'd be almost like if, if you were, you know, friends with somebody, let's say, and like I said, let's say you met them at work or school and you're hanging out with them for a couple of years and, you know, you went to the beach with them and you, you went to Carowinds maybe or, or hung out with them for coffee, you know, several times and, and whatever it is for a three-year relationship. And then all of a sudden, like out of the blue, the guy just goes like, yeah, I just want you to meet my, like, wife and kids that I never told you about. And you'd be like, what? Like, that's just so weird that, like, I would know you for this long and not know this deep part about you. And so, and so here's the thing, like, um, there, there, there's something about, like, the works that the Lord does through us and, and through his church and through his people that's just so incredible, so important. You know, it speaks about the gospel and the ways. But, like, we can't underestimate, like, the words of the gospel. Like, like, 
like it almost as though that feeling when, when I was encountering this family, like that obviously loves the Lord and obviously like, you know, were disciples of Jesus, like not just by words, but by ways and like the way that they committed their life. Without the words, it was almost like either I'm not that important to you that you wouldn't share it with me or he's not that important to you. Like, do you see that feeling? Like, it's just this weird kind of dis- dissonance and disconnect that I would know so much about you, but I wouldn't know, like, your faith. And so there's this famous, like, verse, or not verse, quote, um, by, by this saint. Maybe you've heard it before. And I think it's significant, especially, you know, like, um, to the American church, like, right? Like, so that we not just talk about it, but we'd be about it and walk about it. And not just be our words, but our ways and our works as well. And so it's this quote, right? You've heard of it. St. Francis of Assisi says, to preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. And, and the emphasis of that is so, so important, right? Like it's just saying like your steps and your walk and your words, like all of it together combined to be your message. Um, but, but necessarily like, and we're gonna look in Romans 10 and kind of this is what the passage is about, um, if I could isolate verse 16, for example, in Romans 10, it says, in the same way, let your light shine. Um, oh, no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Um, it says at the end of, uh, yeah, of Romans 10, it says, how then um, could, could, could a world that doesn't know the Lord, that would be in darkness, how then could they know the Lord that's calling them? How could they respond to the call if they don't believe it? And how can they believe in the one who um, have, ha, has called them if they haven't heard, if they haven't heard the message? And how can they hear without somebody preaching it to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? You hear how audible that is, how vocal that is, how um, lexical and word-driven that is? Like, like, in other words, like the gospel is communicated by all sorts of, of ways and works, but like, is it communicated ultimately by words? Verse 15, it says, And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It is written, How beautiful are the feet of those um, that bring good news. And to put it another way, in terms of just our series in Salt and Light, it's kind of like in verse 16 of Matthew 5, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Like, how else would somebody know to connect the works and the ways of your life is connected to the Father if they've never heard you say the word Father, if you've never communicated that um, in your words? And so this is what the passage says. Let me read it in, um, in Romans 10, verse 5. It says, Moses writes this about the righteous um, by the law. He's speaking, uh, this is Paul now speaking to the, his Jewish audience, trying to help them understand just the mystery of the gospel open to the Gentiles. And, and so he's, he's trying to explain um, the nature of the law in light of the gospel. And so he says, Moses says that righteousness comes by obeying the law. And so, you know, by this quotation, this is how you would apply that theology, that, that the person who does these things will live by them, will live by the law. Verse six, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend the heavens, and that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend to the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. So in other words, he's saying that the faith uh, that is going to be the access point for this good news, for this gospel that we've been talking about, it does not come from the law, uh, which would only include the, the Jews at the expense of the Gentiles, but it would include both parties because Entrance into the gospel is no longer by way of the law, but by faith, but by receiving um, this gift of the gospel. And so, and so here it is, like this is kind of what we've been talking about with, with what it means to have a gospel and to live in the gospel and to share it, is that the gospel is the good news of Jesus, that he is redeeming all things to himself simply through the practice of faith. In other words, the gospel is not an if message, 
It's a because message. It's not a something that needs to be done. It's something that's already done on our behalf. And so this, this word, this, this gospel word that Paul is preaching to the Jews about the Gentiles is saying that, that the things that the law is commanding you do ultimately can't, can't, can't call you up. That you could, you could actually, what does it say, like ascend to the heavens according to the law. Like you can't do that. Uh, it's, 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 been, it's been seen in the narrative of the Old Testament. The Jews never were able to climb the ladder to get to God. And, and likewise, there was no one that had enough power that could resurrect somebody else from the dead. And so we'd have to trust, we'd have to see the power of God, um, which is the gospel, uh, be received through faith. And so it's, an, it's something that's because, because of what Jesus has done, that Jews and Gentiles can receive the gospel. And then he goes on and he says, uh, he says, verse eight, but what does it say? The word is near you, It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, uh, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. Justified just means made right with God, made uh, peace peace, um, in relationship to God. You're justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. And as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for, the, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, who richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. And so this is just a, another way, like Paul is always, always, never gets tired of preaching the gospel. If you're in Corinthians, he's preaching the gospel. Galatians, he's preaching the gospel. Ephesians, he's preaching the gospel. Like, there's not... Six messages and sermons that he talks about. He says, among the Jews and the Gentiles, I preach one message. It's Christ and Christ crucified. And so as we were in 1 Corinthians last week, we're in Romans this week, and it's the same message, Christ and Christ crucified. And so he's preaching to this, this group. And, and again, just as a reminder, like, like the good news comes in light of the bad news. And, and, and so he's preaching this message to the Jews and to the Gentiles that the power of sin makes us victims and villains, that sin is around us and sin is inside of us, and that that justification requires justice, and somebody has to take the punishment. Somebody has to take, as Taylor was talking about earlier, somebody has to take the penalty of sin and, and remove the power of sin. And somebody has to, to, to not only take the punishment of Adam and Eve, but to crush the head of the serpent, as it was preached in the Evangelion of Genesis, the first gospel moment in Genesis that, the, the, that somebody, the snake crusher would come and step on his head. And so this, this, this is the gospel. This is our theme for... Um, for, the, for the series, and I just want to lay it down again as we kind of, what, what would this mean is the, the purpose of our time today is just thinking like, how does this gospel get preached with our words? This is where we're headed in this, and so let's just, let's just review, right? So, so the gospel is the good news of Jesus. It's good news of great joy for all people, right? And it's this, it's this message that all the things we see are getting moved and reconciled and redeemed back to its original place, uh, where heaven invades earth, where the distance between heaven uh, and, and earth is, is zero, that heaven and is God's space uh, invades into the earth, which is man's space, and, and, and shalom is dwelling in this place again on all four corners of the earth. It's, it's that picture of Sabbath rest in the seventh day when God rested and he calls it holy and sets it apart. He's going, we're going back to that picture. I'm going to do that through the gospel. So that's the good news of, of Jesus. He's, he's reconciling all things, redeeming all things simply by and through people that would repent and believe in him. This is the gospel. And so the gospel is, is everything, and it changes everything. The gospel is 
that Caesar is not Lord, that Jesus is Lord, and that cancer is not Lord, and Jesus is Lord, and that sin is not Lord, and lust is not Lord, and, 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 and jealousy and strife and quarreling. No, no, Jesus is Lord, and when he is lifted up, that his kingdom is coming and his will is being done, and it's already been done at the cross in Jesus' name, that he came for us. And these are the arrows that we went through last Sunday, that he came for us, but not just that he came and left or came and died, but he lived. He lived on this earth for, for 30 years, uh, 33 years, that he would be tested and tried, and he would be a great high priest by experiencing all types of loss and pain and betrayal. And he would be able to empathize and be a great high priest in that way. And, and he lived and he died. He died and God would be cruel, right? God would be cruel to kill his own son if it wasn't to pay a penalty that needed to be paid and to conquer the power of sin in our life. And so he died. And just as Taylor was talking about, he was treated like us so that we could be treated like him. And so because of what he did on the cross, based on repentance and belief, what is true of Jesus is now true of us. But not only that, that he, on the third day, rose again, conquering death and emptying death of its sting and its power, that we would no longer be ruled by death. He ascended to show that it was finished, that any morning, Sunday morning, that we think, maybe there's a little bit more to be done. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father that continues to preach to us by his position next to the Father, that it has already been accomplished and it's already been done. And not only that, that he put his spirit inside of us, that we would continue his life, that we would be new creations, even today, bringing a foretaste of what's to come when he returns. This is the gospel. It is the whole gospel. It's not just six-pound baby, you know, six pounds, six pounds, eight-ounce baby Jesus. It's not just rose trampled on the ground Jesus. It's not just resurrected in Easter Jesus. Easter Jesus. It's all of that. It's the whole story. It's that he came for us. He lived for us. He died for us. He resurrected for us. He sended for us. He sent his spirit inside of us. And he's coming back for us. And that is the good news of Jesus. And it's take it or leave it. It's receive it and believe it with all that you have. Belief is not just the thought of mental, you know, ascribing to some lofty idea. It is the full loyalty of a person towards a kingdom. That's what it is. Take it or leave it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Do you believe the good news? Are you receiving the kingdom of heaven? This is, this is what he came to do. This is what he came to accomplish. It's not just passive news of some moon that's up in the sky and says, you know, do you believe that that's happening? I mean, yeah, we all believe there's a moon up there. The moon up there doesn't impose any action on us. It doesn't demand any response out of us. It just means that we believe it. But that is not what the kingdom of heaven would be because the kingdom of heaven is, is replacing the great powers of this earth, the dark powers of this earth, and it demands a response. It, in, it implies a response. And so this is the message. This is the message of what he's saying. And so, and so this is how he closes the passage. I read it before, but I'll read it again. It says, how then can people call, call on this belief? Or excuse me, how, how then can they call on this one if they have not believed in it? So this message, it, it, needs, it, it requires a response. It, it calls for a response. And what he's saying is that that call needs to be, needs to be infused with a human voice. It needs to, be, needs to be preached. And so how can somebody believe it if, if they've never been called? And how can they believe if they've never heard it? If there isn't words that go along with the ways and the works? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And so, and so this, is, this is where I want us to consider this morning um, as, we are, as we are called to be salt and light. And the hands and feet of this message were the great sermon illustration that he's put on this earth that people that 
are reaching for and really longing for a God they can't see would be able to see in a common language through the common language of occupation and marriage and sadness and, and brokenness, like through the common language of sharing life with the king, like, like the church, his, his family. You know, like th- this, is, this is how um, the gospel is supposed to move forward, not just through works and through ways, but through words. How do we share the gospel? Um, if you look at the passage, the word that pops out to me, and you can look at it in your Bible as well, like I think it's like seven, eight times you'll see in Romans 10, the focal point of what Paul is speaking about in light of the gospel is the heart. Like he says it all throughout his passage. It's like it's the heart where it's believed. It's in the heart that there's faith. It's in the heart that you know, the gospel is, is extended. It's in, it's in the human heart where, where the kingdom of heaven begins to reside. And that matters. That, that, that has a lot of implications uh, to us because what that means is that for somebody to believe and to receive the kingdom of heaven, they'd have to hear it from a voice. It would have to be vocalized by, by somebody that was preaching to them is kind of what it's saying, that has blessed feet because they bring in good news. And, and not just for their head, but for their heart. Continually, the passage speaks about the heart, the seat of emotion, the place where people you know, make their inner decisions about their emotions and, and their beliefs. And so what this would mean to us, I think, if we took this home, would, would be to say, like, if somebody were to receive the kingdom of heaven, they'd be much less likely to receive it um, in a lecture hall or even in a big you know, auditorium or in a church, they'd probably be more likely to receive the kingdom of heaven and believe in the gospel in an intimate moment, like over coffee with somebody. They'd be less likely, um, if we took Paul's words you know, to heart, um, to hear and to receive the good news of the gospel that Jesus came for them, like that he died for them, like in a personal way, not in some abstract theoretical concept, but in a personal way to like hear his voice, they're probably more likely to hear it like in a small group than in a Sunday service. They're more than likely, um, you know, hearing it um, in a coffee than on Facebook. Like if the gospel is going to make its way, it's probably going to make its way in the one-on-one versus the one in a hundred or one in a thousand, like at some conference. And that's not to say that the gospel isn't moving in multitudes, and certainly Jesus taught in multitudes, but some of his greatest encounters that he had with people, ones where people made like radical responses with their life was when he looked at them face to face and he insisted on preaching the gospel like with everything he did, whether it's in John, he's talking about eternal life and abundant life or in Matthew and other places when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, it's all the same thing. It's the message that he has come to be the eternal king on the earth and he communicates it not just by theology, but by power. And, 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 so, and so every moment, like every episode, for the blind man and for the widow and for the prostitute and, and for the teachers of the law and for the scribes, he had different words, he had different messages. There was no miracle that was the same and no message that was the same when he encountered people. He would preach to them, not just to their head, but to their heart. And so this, is, this would be important, right, as we consider it. Like if we're going to see Matthew 28, like, to see people that are hurting and broken. I mean, kind of in a time like this, I think we see so much of this. I think we're seeing marriages, you know, put under tension. I think we're seeing relationships um, and even 
things like racial identity and, and how we fit in the world. Like, the world is, is, is so, you know, confused and upside down the, these days. And, and this would be such an opportune time for the gospel to move forward, but we'd have to be ready, right? Like, like we would have to, to be prepared to give a reason for our hope, as First Peter says. We'd have to be ready to have coffee conversations. We'd have to be ready for the gospel to happen because it's not happening through a, a chart or a track. Like there's never a time that Jesus pulls out some track and says, so here's you and here's heaven and here's how. Like he never does that. Like he is able to fluidly and fluently communicate the gospel like right into every single conversation because he knows that whenever life is shared, that hearts are shared. And whenever hearts are shared, that it's time for the gospel to move forward and to be shared. We know how to be fluent in in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, for example, here are a couple, a couple examples that, that I just kind of want to even go through this morning. But like, so for example, like if you're a father, right, and your son is in middle school and he comes home and he's been like been beat up like for the last couple weeks or he's been bullied at school, like his heart is rendered. Like his heart is open and it's desiring and needy and in a broken place and it needs the gospel. And so dad, like, are you fluent in the gospel? Like, do you know how to preach the good news? Because if you don't preach it, who's going to preach it? Right? So that's the moment. That's like, that's the altar call right there. Like, he, like your sister, right? So you have somebody like this in your, in, your, in your life. And they're engaged. And the guy's not who she thought that he was. And so he cheats on her and leaves her. And there's 19 emotions that are like going through her heart, right? And your heart. And we might think that that is a moment to just defend or to give good counsel or wisdom or good advice, but even more than that, Paul would tell us that's a moment for the gospel. That was a preordained moment. As we think about how am I salt and light? How am I supposed to make an impact? You know, like how, how am I supposed to, if I don't have a seminary degree, like see the gospel? Like that's the moment. That's the moment where, where we need language to say, He came for you, He lived for you, He died for you. That's that like that is where the implication for belief needs to be true, or it's not true at all. And so what, what do you do like when the, when the girl gets broken up with? Like when you get a promotion at work and you um, are celebrating and you know of another employee that is your friend and somebody that you've worked with for a long time didn't get the promotion and is struggling with bitterness and jealousy towards you. Like what do you do? And when you do what you do, is it based on the gospel of Jesus Christ or is it based on something else? This is where the gospel is happening. Someone in your small group is continually stuck and they continue to confess the same sins every single you know, week, but they're not owning the responsibility of what it would mean to repent and believe. Like, do you know how to preach the gospel? Because that's where it needs to be preached. If you're not preaching it, if we're not preaching it, where else does it get preached? And, and all too often, I think instead of the gospel, what we have is just circles of good advice rather than good news. I like to call it Second Opinions 316, where somebody opens up a, a Bible study and actually gets vulnerable. I mean, that's a miracle in of itself that people are ready to open up their heart. And man, if, if, if somebody was on a table to have heart surgery, like from a doctor, we would hope that, that they would be delicate with that person's physical heart. How much more spiritually speaking should our communities be delicate with the vulnerability of the people that open up to us? And, be, and just walk in trepidation, like, I don't want to give my opinion, Lord. I need you to speak to this person. Like, my opinions aren't good enough. I need you to speak. And so, typically, the person will open up, and we all go around in the circle and kind of give our two cents. And we just want to be heard, you know? On Facebook, we want to be heard. We want to put in our two cents. And Paul's saying, don't give them your advice. Give them the gospel. Like, give them good news. 
Like, like, like I, I can hear it even coming out of my mouth sometimes. Like, I, if, if the thing that's coming out of my mouth when I'm responding to somebody opening up a heart issue that they've been pushed or bullied or whatever else may be, like, if it sounds like, I just think the Lord's going to do this, or I, I hope the Lord does this, or I'm going to pray that the Lord does this, but it doesn't sound anything like God's already done this, then am I preaching the gospel at all? Because the gospel is not good fortune, it's good news. It's something that's already been done. It's that he came for you and he lived for you and he died for you. Like when we open up our mouth in our communities and families, do we, do we preach good advice or do we preach the good news of Jesus Christ? And so in every moment, in every issue, you know, Paul, we would do well to follow his advice. You can follow it along in 1 Corinthians 13 that starts off with leadership problems and the vision in the church. And then there's rich people eating before the poor people can eat. And then they're talking about communion and they're talking about food rights. But every single thing, there's not like food problems and sex problems and marriage problems. There's gospel problems. People don't believe that he is king. And so they go and try and take their own kingdoms for themselves because they, they don't repent and believe in the good news that he's already done on their behalf what they couldn't do for themselves. And so, so I just want to run through a couple of these things, and, and that's really the take-home, is, is like, what does it sound like to tell somebody that he's king right in their situation, right when their heart is open, right when, when it matters the most? Are you prepared to be fluent with gospel ears and gospel, gospel language, like to speak to them? I would advise that we would listen for 50 minutes if we had an hour, and then maybe talk for 10. But if your son came home, what would you do if he was bullied? What does it mean that Jesus came for your son. Like if, if, if I'm talking to my son Leo and he came home and he, and, he, and he says that he's been bullied, like the most important thing or at least the first foundational thing that I need him to understand is that God came for him. Like, like he, he's a rescuer. He's a redeemer and he moves after us. And so if he came out of heaven to get to earth, I think he'd go from my cul-de-sac down the street to his middle school and be with him. Like that's number one. Like the gospel is not just, well, you know, he died so you can go to heaven. Like it's, it's his presence, Emmanuel, like God with us. It is, it is good news, great joy for great people, for all people when he's just a baby. That was good news. So he's with us. And then what does it mean that he lived for us? It means that he walked perfectly without sin, even though he's tempted and tried. And I would probably tell him that he was stoned, you know, or he was, they tried to stone him and that he was spat upon and that he was beaten and, 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 and that he came to be um, a, a peacemaker, but he was never afraid of, of any man that he, that he crossed and so that becomes the stature of Christ. Jesus is perfect theology, and he's revealing himself and his will as the perfect image bearers. Colossians says that Jesus walked this earth as though he was God because he is. But not only that, that he died. And here's the point. Here's where the cross counters all the other cultures in, in our world. Like, that moment is not just about teaching Leo to stand up to, ops, you know, to, to, um, to adversarial issues like, it's to teach him not just to fight, but to forgive. Like, I would need to tell Leo, if I'm preaching the gospel, not just good advice, that, like, Jesus died not just for him, but for that other kid. And the cross, the cross is, is teaching him, like, you know, our enemies and the people that are around us, like, can hurt us, but unforgiveness, like, like holding on, you know, his justice versus the Lord's justice, like that will take him under in such a deep and powerful way. And so, so part of this process, like if I'm preaching the gospel, is not just to tell him to go tell the teacher or give him good advice. It has to be that he needs to move to the cross and be able to forgive. If he hasn't been able to forgive this enemy, it will hold him, it will own him. And if I give him to just tell him to go tell the teacher, but don't tell him to forgive that person at the cross, like 
I've not, I've not preached freedom to him. And not only that, that he rose in the ascended, he's put his spirit in him that he wouldn't be, that, that Leo wouldn't have to be afraid of, of any, any person, any comments. If, if 1 Corinthians 15 says that, that death has no sting, then, then what can man do to us? And so I want Leo to know, like, he lives without fear. He's fearless in Jesus' name. He's fearless because he has the spirit of God that resurrected Christ from the dead. That's not go and tell the teacher. That's called the spirit of God lives in you. And you can walk in confidence to love and forgive others and move to confront evil without any fear. Because if, if God is for us, then who can be against us? This is the gospel. This is what I need him to know. And so I'll send him back and I'll say the spirit is within you to continue Jesus' life here on earth. And maybe I would give him a couple of words to say, like, like, you know, that, like, that's, that's not called for, you know, like, or, or whatever else I have here in my notes. Like, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I go, go to this, go to the person and speak confidently to him without fear. And, and out of that comes a tone that really matters more than the words that you say, but I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not going to put up with that. You know, like, I don't appreciate your tone. I think that you're being a bully. Like, whatever it ne- that needs to be said, the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus says that, like, when you go into areas of confrontation, he'll give you the words before um, you're even there. And so here's, here's the statement that I would want Leo to walk away from, from a gospel conversation like that. In Christ, Leo was created to be fearless in front of all people, including bullies, and that Jesus, in Jesus' name, Leo can forgive all people the way that he was forgiven and guided uh, by the Spirit to confront in love and speak for the voiceless. This is what the gospel would say. Let me just do one more, and that'll be it for, um, for the close today. But um, let's talk about the girl, right? So the young girl, um, and we'll be quicker with this one, has a fiancé that broke her heart. And the tough thing about that is that not only is her future tied up to that, but um, in some place... Um, uh, our, our hearts as we're engaged to people feel our worth tied up to that relationship. And in some ways, the breaking of that relationship feels like the diminishing of the worth of that individual person. And so the struggle is not just with the future and the plans, but it's mourning the difficult feeling that maybe in some way I've been demeaned and that my worth and value isn't as much as I thought. And so what does that person need to know? Like the Lord is with her, right? Same thing as Leo, that he came for her and that he was betrayed by people too. And, and he knows exactly what it's like to feel that way. Um, but Jesus, if we were to look at his life, like his identity was tied up in the words of his father, that, um, that his father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And in this case, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And she, she, like Leo, needs to come to the cross and, and needs to find a place of forgiveness. And it's it's telling that, that young lady that forgiveness does not mean trust and forgiveness does not necessarily mean friendship into the future and forgiveness doesn't even mean you have to have a conversation with that person but it, but it definitely means you need to forgive because if you don't forgive towards the past, it will, it will imprison you for the future and what's at stake is not necessarily the relationship backwards but your relationships forward. If you don't win, you know, what the cross is doing in you and through you, uh, you, will, you will be ruled by the powers and the principalities of, of, of the shame that comes along and the guilt that comes along uh, with unforgiveness. And so the gospel, the gospel is preaching to find and fight for forgiveness. And this young lady would need to know if I was speaking to her that um, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and all of his gospel work is completed and the spirit of God is inside of her to make every item in her life 
powerful to shape her into the image of, her, of, of his son. That the Holy Spirit has come to guide and counsel. And that the Holy Spirit has, has come to, to, um, to shape her to be a light to the nations. And even use this moment in time that she would suffer with him well. And that she would in some way, because of this, know that this is just not a, a consolation prize, but an actual work of the Holy Spirit in her life to, to shape and, 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 and mold exactly what her story is about and who she is. And she needs that. She needs the gospel and to know that he's coming back for her. And so, again, another statement, and then I'll close. But if her name was Mary, you would want to say that in Christ, Mary is a daughter of God. Her worth is in Christ, and her purpose is not held in marriage or in singleness, but in being a light to the nations. And she is learning to forgive as Christ forgave her and is learning to be made like Christ through all pain and all circumstances. This is what it would mean to believe the gospel that in every moment, in every need, and in every situation, that the good news of Jesus is that he came for us, that he lived for us, and he died for us. And he, he rose and ascended, and he sent his spirit to continue his life, and he's coming back for us. When somebody shares life with you, their heart ultimately will open. And when they share their heart with you, there will be words that will ultimately come out of your mouth after you listen. And the question, the question becomes, the words that we share, lest they bring glory to us, are they good advice or are they good news? Are they just talk or are they matter of power? Do they preach the death, burial, and resurrection? Paul was a bright man and incredibly competent and had all the credentials in the world, but he said, the only thing that I have to offer, you know, as an apostle and a witness to Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven is one simple message. It's Christ and Christ crucified. And so, do you have the words as people come to you um, and speak with you and, and share their heart with you? Will you have the words, the gospel words to, to preach to them? Because, 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 as the verse says, how, how can they call on the one that has called them if they don't believe in him? And how can they believe in the one whom is calling to them if they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so, Father, I just want to close this time by praying for every heart and ear and eye uh, that is watching um, this, this service uh, for boldness in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it would cost us relationships or cost us comfort or cost us time, um, that we would have eyes to see and ears to understand the significance of the good news of Jesus as it makes its way into our families and neighborhoods and nations. God, that you would craft us as people that would be fluent in your gospel, ready in every circumstance and every situation to bring not just good advice, but to bring good news. Good news to the nations, good news to our neighbors. And so um, I just pray that, um, that in, in moments when these windows are open, um, that we would recognize them, and that we would step forward boldly, and that we would see uh, that any door that is open um, for the gospel, that your spirit is living in us as part of that, to guide us through it, that we'd bring good news, that our, that our lives, that our words would be salted with the good news of the gospel. And so I thank you, Jesus, that... Um, that you would use someone like us 
through your power and through the power of your resurrected son to bring, to bring many home and to bring many, many, many into salvation as we preach boldly the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.